0: My dad and I are sitting, talking. He's laying in his hospital bed. I'm sitting next to him. We're talking. And all of a sudden, my dad stops talking. And I turn and I look and my mom is standing in the doorway. And she just, she was downtown. She had an appointment. She came. She just, she asked my dad how he was doing, how he was feeling. She asked me how I was doing. Is there anything I can do? No, we're okay. All right. and She went. And when my dad was discharged from the hospital and we figured out, so he had an ulcer, which was one of the reasons they thought he had stomach cancer, thank God. Um, It was an ulcer. They put him on his medication, things like that. They had to change his diet. And every Sunday, my mom would cook for my dad and send food with my brother to my father. There is no woman that I know who... Separated from a spouse and had, you know, a relationship like my parents had, which was virtually non-existent other than my brother and I being kind of their kids and in the middle. Who would sit and intentionally prepare meals that he enjoys. Yes. Mm -hmm. That are within the restrictions that he needs to heal. And she did that until the day he was admitted into the hospital and didn't come home.
1: Before you left Iran, which city was it, by the way?
0: I was born in Tehran.
1: In Tehran, mm-hmm. right? And, So, it's yeah. the it's capital. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, I was born in Tehran, and then towards the end of it, I think we spent a lot of time north where my mom's family was while my dad was trying to figure out how to get us out.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I think. What's north? What's considered the like city?
0: Um, so, my mom is from a very small town called Babol. Okay. Um... I don't know how far north. It's not quite up into the Russian border, but it's not that far either. I think it's an equal distance from the capital to... Like, it'll take you just as long to get into Russia as it would to get into... Tehran. Wow. Into Tehran. It's a big country. It's a very large country, apparently. And my dad is from all the way south, like right on the Gulf.
1: Do you notice that with some of these countries uh, that are out there, I I hear people going, like, even in places like, say, Italy, they go, I'm from the north. Another one will say, no, I'm from the south. Yeah. And I'm like, it's the same country. Yep, inside the same country. Yep, and not just Italy. So many countries are like this. Um,
2: Pe- we do it here with PEI. You do? Yeah, oh yeah, east like, coast, west coast. Oh PEI, yeah, right? southerners. <laughs> yeah. Same
1: country. Yeah, and we say, but we're from. Yeah. Here, because yep. there's it's very different. And they're it's from, from yeah. there. so right inside a country. Do, do, does that happen over there too? All the time. Like I'm from Shiraz.
0: Yes. Uh, oh, Shogun. Oh, Tehran yeah. Statt- <laughs>
1: people. Oh, I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. What does oh. that mean?
0: <laughs> so I'm like the worst person to ask. But basically, Tehranese <laughs> are very, and I'll use my own cousins as an example. So there oh, we go. My So my mom's family is very affluent, right? And they come from a smaller town. And my uh, my mom has two brothers. My youngest uncle married a woman from their same city. They moved to Tehran. Their kids were born there, and whatever. And my youngest cousin married a gentleman who is, you know, also from a small town. And her sister was like all against that because how could you marry some like villager? Mm-hmm. And a you're villager. kind of looking at this so going then there's
1: like, class systems, yeah, not just okay. location.
0: <laughs> but technically, we're all villagers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And it's very much so. There is a mentality where when you're from Tehran, you're from the big city, it's like a Torontonian, right? Mm -hmm. Canadians will look at Torontonians in a very specific kind of a way, right? They kind of look at us as a little bit, you know, more, I don't know, stuck up, a little bit more snotty. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you want to put it. I had a professor at university who was like, Torontonians are the most ignorant Canadians Mm -hmm. you'll ever meet. They don't know anything north of highway. And whatever highway he said, I had no idea where Mm -hmm. it was. But in that moment, I was like, oh how rude like how can you say that and
1: yeah, this was a canadian
0: yeah this yeah. is professor i university. get a case that when i go
1: okay here oh
0: this
1: was happening in downtown toronto
0: yeah, yeah, saying that that's an are interesting
1: the most detail yeah.
0: ignorant canadians you'll ever find like they don't know anything outside of their bubble mm. and it's a very similar viewpoint and i don't know if it's just culturally it it is what it is right so they have a slightly different accent they speak faster and mm. To be able to live in Tehran is very difficult, right? Like, it's very expensive. So there's different viewpoints from people who come from different places. And, you know, you want to be a Tehruni because that means so you're from it. the city. I am from the city. I was born in the city. But I mean, at the end of the day, I was gone by the time I was three. Right. Mm-hmm. So Iranians here specifically don't really view me as one of them right? Because I didn't grow up there. I don't have their experiences. I don't have their accents. I don't have...
1: You speak Farsi? You understand Farsi?
0: I understand Farsi to an extent. Um, My parents only spoke with us Farsi at home, because obviously we'll get English outside of the house. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, my daughter has lots of Iranian friends at school. So the mom, sometimes I have to call my mom and be like, so this mom said this, what does that mean? Mm because I have no idea. She's like, it means this. What did you do? I said, I smile and I nodded. You've <laughs>
1: got to ask your daughter, right? Yep. When you meet somebody who in Toronto is from Iran, yep. do you ask them which city they're from, right? They don't, do they?
0: See? Some do.
1: Do they? Yeah, like, some but do. But the kids, your kids and their kids are born here. They're born here. So they go, where are you from? Iran. And then they carry on That's or do they go, no. wait, oh, what part of Iran are you from?
0: No, absolutely not. Right. It's just true. not, absolutely not. It's it? just the the like the next
1: generations are like, uh yeah, we're from Iran. Okay, let's move on.
0: Yeah. So many of them are mixed, right? My husband's Egyptian. Mm. Many of her friends, you know, mum is from Canada or Mum is from Italy and whatever, and Dad is the one who's Iranian or vice versa. Very few of her Iranian friends are full Iranian.
1: yeah Like even when we lived in the States, for example, we lived uh in a place outside Orlando. But if you were to talk to somebody who was from not locally, and they said, Hey, where are you staying? We're like, Yeah, we're in Orlando but it was actually not Orlando, the city, it's just outside Orlando, because nobody lives in Orlando, like some people live in Orlando, yeah. but who stays in Orlando? So I find that the further out you go, yeah. you know, like the less relevant where you're from starts actually mattering. Like, okay, like I always will say, like if I was to meet somebody from Mars, would I tell them Toronto? Would I tell them Canada? Or would I just say- Earth. Earth, <laughs> right? And then, a person from Iran and a person from Canada meet a person from Mars and they go, Yeah, we're both from Earth. Okay. Yeah, you look the same to me, like the Mars yeah, would say. Yeah. Right. And then off you yeah. go. Yeah. But when, uh, the closer we get, we're like, Okay, you know, you're from here and I'm from there. And then the closer even we get, we're like, Oh, you're from the city and I'm from the village, you know? And then there are these kind of like differences. Yeah. Do you think?
0: Very much so. I noticed it in Ottawa. So when I got married, I moved to Ottawa. Right. And people would ask me, where you're from? Like, where are you from? Where do you come from? Toronto. <laughs> in Toronto?
1: Right. Um, oh, yeah.
0: Like, what do you mean? Oh, okay. And I remember shopping for winter clothing my first winter in Ottawa. I thought I was going to die. It's so cold. It's a different cold. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's humid cold. So, like, yeah. it's, it's just it's very different. So, what I would wear here in, you know, the middle of February, October, didn't work and they would say to me oh honey yeah oh honey (laughs) here we dress for warmth not for style
1: yes like oh
0: okay but then you would talk to other people and it's like oh so where are you from toronto (gasps) what part and it would be like hamilton and i'm thinking that's not toronto Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like not even close to Toronto. (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i had that mentality i had the mentality of like i had somebody tell me they were from toronto and they ended up being from like i want to say brampton (laughs) <laughs> yeah and
2: in my head i was like that, that is not so, so not, not toronto right yeah. but really is it not like
1: but the further away you go yeah. the less it matters
2: it's just the most simplistic thing for people that might not be yeah. aware of the the sub- suburbs of toronto 100 percent. Right? Yeah. and they do that in the ottawa valley like,
0: yeah where are you from ottawa oh what part Orleans? here and i'm like oh wait yeah, what? That's, yeah. that's not ottawa redfrew is not ottawa oh you're familiar with the area yeah
1: why do you think that happens
0: i think part of it is because they're so used to being looked at as if Like, what speckle of dust is this? Like, where do you come from? Especially when you're talking to somebody, or at least I think when you're talking to somebody who you view as coming from somewhere slightly more civilized, let's say.
1: You think so? That has something to do with
0: it. I think so. Because in Ottawa, they're very, I don't know how to explain it. When I moved to Ottawa, it was the first time I experienced racism. (laughs) I'd lived in Toronto my entire life. Well, minus the first three years. And the first time I experienced racism was at the age of twenty five when I'd moved to Ottawa. And it wasn't even geared towards me.
1: What's the difference you think between that kind of racism and someone going, You're from Tehran, you're from Shiraz? Isn't it the same kind of is it the root some the same ism? Probably. Do you think so?
0: Probably. It's not yeah. racism more so as it is, I think like that is more of cultural hierarchy perceived. Yeah. Hierarchy. Like we're all What's yeah. racism? We're yeah. all the same kind of ra- Oh, okay, so yeah, an example of racism oh, like okay. <laughs> so first time I'd ever experienced something like this, I had a woman come into, so at the time when I'd i moved, I was this is in Ottawa now. in Ottawa, okay, so I used to manage fitness first. clubs, yeah, so I used to manage fitness clubs, and I had a woman who'd come in and she was complaining to me, she's a French Canadian lady, and she's complaining to me that she had to go to Ministry of Transportation to renew her driver's license, and she had to wait behind these brown people, mm. And how dare I, as a Canadian, have to wait behind brown people? And I'm looking at her going, oh, okay, what is happening? Yeah. And I remember saying to her, I said, Monique, like, you see the color of my skin, right? Like, you can't say these kinds of things, number one. And you can't say it to people like me. Like, you could be talking about my family. Oh, no, you're not one of them. Oh, yeah. I just kind of looked at her. I said, oh, she goes, you don't have an accent. You're not here to take my job. And I thought, wow.
1: Well, I'd it's never a real feeling heard on the other of side.
0: Something like that. Yeah. And I've never experienced what it would be like to live in Iran and have somebody be like, ooh, you're from, you know, Abaddon, which is where my dad is from. Or, oh, you're from, you know, Shaman. I've never had that experience. So I don't know what they do to one another there. But,
1: you know, it's interesting. You said earlier when we were talking that you had left Iran for a reason. What was that reason?
0: They were going to execute my dad.
1: Okay, so <laughs> basically, there, that, that's that's a feeling that might be even worse than your look. I don't want to stand behind you in line, right? Yeah. And yet, that was being done by people who you might feel were like similar to you in some ways. They're Iranians. You're Iranian. But when you came here, you've got somebody saying this about not wanting to stand behind in line behind somebody with you know a certain color of skin. Yeah. What felt worse, like? First, first instinct. What's worse,
0: that woman talking about the Is, color of
1: my interesting. skin? Someone wants to kill your dad, though.
0: So, for me, I was so but little. It was hurt, and I wasn't hurt, right? Like, I was yeah. so little, yeah. and my parents. So, my parents are such incredibly special humans. <clears throat> um, you would never know growing up that there was something wrong. Mm-hmm. You would never know. So, when my dad was sick. So my dad passed away in 2019 and when he was like, he knew he was dying long before he told any of us. So he started opening up a lot and telling us a lot of stories and things like that. And he would tell me stories where my mom and I and him would be out in the streets of Tehran shopping and the guard would be out. And my dad would have to flee and seek cover. Right. And as a child, I never experienced moments where I felt like, we were in danger or anything. My parents were very good at making sure that I was happy and that things were good. And even growing up, like, you know, in the areas that we grew up in, until you saw people, they we saw a lot of different things. Um, but until you saw it, I didn't think we were anywhere that was unusual. We had a great childhood. We had so much fun, but yeah, every so often you'd go to a birthday party and there are a couple of people sitting in the hallways with needles in their
2: arms. Mm-hmm. So when, when you came to Canada, where did your family move to? Scarborough. Scarborough, yeah. Was
1: oh, that what you describing? Yeah, you that's were, a, that was here.
2: Yeah, that was here. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So well, you were three when you moved. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's when you started becoming more aware of what's going on yeah. around you, as you said. Um, so you have never, never, ever felt any sense of insecurity or danger where you were born. Uh, even though it was Tehran, even though it was a city, because your parents just kind of created that environment?
0: My parents created an environment where I can say I've never felt unsafe. I knew, you know, certain things maybe even more so here, because again, back home, we didn't, a lot of it was if there were issues, clearly my mom and I, or a I would be with family and my parents would kind of sort themselves out. They would never have me in that kind of a situation and we were fortunate. You know, my mom had friends who had to go through the mountains on the backs of donkeys. Mm-hmm. We got right. to get on an airplane. Right. <laughs> right. right. We got to get on a plane and we got to go.
1: And people um, disappear. Oh, yeah. They, oh, they, disappear. they don't show up again. They just... When we were growing up, um, it was in another country in the Middle East as well and <clears throat> we were told right then so I was about seven when I left. Yeah. So by that time you're spending some time a bit more out there. You're not right. always under the guardianship or supervision of your parents. And mm-hmm. we were told, listen, this is a way to behave, and this is not a way to behave. And if you if you do get seen this way, so and so disappeared. We'd be getting we'd be told a story. We were old enough to talk and right. start understanding. And you probably heard about those kind oh, of things once you ha- once you hit that age that you were capable of even understanding. because yep. they would want you to know.
0: To an extent. My parents never wanted us to understand. Like, my parents never wanted us to know what exactly had been experienced back home mm-hmm. to the full ex- extent.
2: And I guess right. they didn't really have to because you were we were false. from it so yeah. early. It'd be different if you were in it. You yeah. have to have some level of awareness to be able to navigate High that percent. structure. But it doesn't serve that purpose when that environment is isn't here yeah with you 100%. yeah
1: so when you first move here and you're this you're this kid do you remember anything when you were three or, was I remember first or your first it's actually
0: really funny yeah. my dad asked me he goes what's like the first like what's the thing that you remember like the earliest thing <laughs> that you remember yeah which i didn't mind right because <laughs> like no, it's yeah it's
1: we go no angels exactly. right that's Done. what we
0: did but one of the first memories that i was able to recall i told my dad i said i remember I said, I don't know if I'm making this up or not, but I remember you and me and mom were walking down a hallway and we passed a hair salon that had the entire ceiling caved in and this and that. And we were sitting here, mom and I were sitting and I went on a carousel and you went up somewhere else and you met with a man and my dad's all the color from his face straight. And he was like, how do you remember this? And it was in Portugal when we were trying to immigrate and it was somebody who was helping us, you know get from Portugal to Austria so we could come to Canada. He's like, how do you remember this? I'm like, oh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> but I do remember certain things. Like, I do remember... But all good things, you know what I mean? I remember coming and certain things like... I remember my teachers from kindergarten. I remember my daycare teachers. And I remember, you know, basic things that are, you know, normal in my world. Like, you know, there were a lot of... We had a guy they called Harvey the cockroach mm-hmm. that lived in our building, and it was because they tried to like kill him. I don't know how many times, and he wouldn't die. They sued <laughs> him. Like, him? They, we were not in a very good part of town. You know, right. the person had problems right. with addiction, and I'm sure that there were people he didn't pay. I don't know, right? You're a right. kid. All you knew was that Harvey the story, cockroach yeah. was like in the hospital. Like now the now he's back.
1: Not all parts of it have. to
0: Actually, yeah, we have. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, okay, Harvey the cockroach.
0: And it was just one of those. Th- and it, it was, was like, okay, whatever, no big deal. But like maybe I was nine and I remember a woman, I woke up in the middle of the night because there was a woman running down the street underneath my bedroom window. And I mean underneath my bedroom window, I was on the 10th floor and you could hear her shrieking, shrieking for help, help, help. My husband's been stabbed.
1: Oh, uh, right
0: shrieking this woman and i don't know if they helped her they didn't help her but from that point i remember my dad used to go to work at like 5 30 in the morning and i would get up every morning i would hear him and i would watch him because his car was parked on the street underneath my window and i would watch him get in his car right. to make sure just to make sure he was okay so things like this i'm sure were not normal <laughs> you think about it now and they're like yeah it's not
1: normal but is there a point when you moved that you first started realizing okay um like I, i'm not i'm not this is not where I was born. This is where. This is not the first place I, you know, like I'm. Di- there are different people here than what I'm used to seeing or anything like that.
0: So I don't remember.
1: So I because don't even speak remember. You at home. Yeah. And you go outside. You speaking.
0: I remember so meeting at one point the time, first like person you speak English for the
1: first time. Right. Like. So uh,
0: I didn't even is, know that. Right. My dad told me in 2016. Mm. He clarified for me that English is not your first language, and I oh, thought, huh. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? Because uh, I can't even imagine a time where I didn't speak English. She's like, we came to this country and we threw you into kindergarten. You didn't speak a word of English. Right. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh. He's like, you don't remember this? Right. No. Okay. He goes, we feel so much guilt. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. I don't remember never speaking English. I don't ever remember not being able to like. Communicate with. Other communicate kids. with other people. But. In kindergarten I met my best friend and she's also Iranian. So it was like a big deal that we met somebody from the same country. Did she nice. speak Farsi as well? Oh. Not much. At oh, okay. And so, when you
1: met each oh, you wouldn't remember. Do you remember? Like, did you meet because you were like did you No, be I was in the sandbox. It's actually
0: American. really funny because she told the story at my wedding and she I was in the sandbox and I was alone and I was talking about snakes in the sandbox and you've got to get up. And she thought I was totally nuts. But she was like my best friend. She's very tall. She's six foot two, gorgeous, built like a model. But she was always tall, right? Oh, so kids weren't girl. very nice to her. Yeah. Right. Kids picked on her and, you know, kids, I don't, I guess kids weren't too nice to me either. Obviously, if I'm playing in the sandbox by myself, who knows? Mm-hmm. But I guess I was just one of those people that was like, whatever. Yeah. going to go do my own thing. And we just kind of clicked. And it was like, oh, what's your name? And oh, what's my name? And oh, where are you from? And oh, I'm from here. And oh, we're the same. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Ah, okay. It was it. That was where we were and who we are. And I remember I defended that. Like, I anybody, anybody who would be cruel to her, I would just like. Mm-hmm. And it worked. And, you know, high school, I remember we moved. And her and I were walking down, like, to get to the bus stop from my mom's apartment. And some guy was like, oh, my God, you guys are still friends. <laughs> turned around we're like, what? It turned out to be a boy from daycare. And he's like, nobody forgets the two of you. Uh, Oh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And banded up in high school together. It was so funny. And he told me, he's like, you know, you threatened to beat me up with a tennis racket once because I asked her if she played basketball.
1: Uh, (laughs) So do you feel like, okay, so you grew up in what part of town? Cedar Bray. So Cedar Bray. So when you're in Cedar Bray, do you feel that there's a certain way you got to operate when you're in Cedar Bray?
0: I know now. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, but you're very aware of your surroundings. Okay. So when you grow up in an area where there's a lot of unpredictability, right? So there are people who, you know, generally don't make the best choices in life. And because of that, there are certain things that could suddenly break out in the <laughs> middle of an afternoon, right? Like you never know. There could be a situation where maybe you have somebody who is you know, on drugs and maybe not in their right mind, and you have to be aware of those surroundings. You have to be aware of: is there a situation where somebody is looking like maybe they're not in the best That's state of crazy. mind? So let's walk on the other side of the street,
1: or is there? But where you know, did you learn that?
0: I don't know. It's just a natural, just situational thinking.
2: awareness. I think you know what I mean. Yeah. You just
0: honestly you just and don't get me wrong like obviously there were when we were little we would play outside or we would go swing and the older like the boys who were in the gangs or whatever else when you're little they take care of they it do. it's actually very interesting they yeah, very much point. take care of it it's, uh, own, it's right. very family oriented so ways, yeah they will like if you're gonna go and do something they'd be like whoa like no no do you not see what's happening over there come back
1: mm-hmm. so you learned it kind of indirectly like, just yeah.
0: being told like right. do you see what's happening there do you see what's happening here like keep your eyes open
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it just becomes a way of you operate very aware because you just want to make sure that if there's a situation
2: like, you know where where your exit yeah. well, what I'm trying
1: to what I'm trying yeah. to understand and I'm wondering if you see this as well is is this something that you understood or no. was it something that just... was given to you through a lens so you know like somebody in that group of your friends were like, hey, that what's happening there, be careful. And you yourself might've been like, what, what's happening? But it's a lens. That person across the road there, see who looks like that, who walks like that, who sounds like that, that's, be careful of that. Yeah. It's a lens. Yeah. That's what I'm just trying to understand because it happens everywhere. And even in Cedar Bray, right? There are, like you said, you are with people who are looking out for you. Yeah. So the starting point is, we care for you. You're part of us. Do you see like the so, the commonality like with like we're from Tehran, they're from Shiraz, we're yeah. this group. We're Torontonians, they're you're from Ottawa. Are you seeing like what I'm mm-hmm. saying?
0: Yes, a little like, bit and not lenses. so much. Yeah. Okay. Like you're not a part yeah. of their group, right? So it really? was never Oh, no, no, no. No, not nothing but you're like that. Not like that. Not you're not so they're not there to supervise you. Right. But so uh, the way the best way to put it is like let's say this is where the swimming pool is, right? And we're swimming the pool and we get out and we go out behind the fence. Now we're running around in the field and they would sit, right? And they would be in like where the lifeguards house is and they would do whatever it is that they are not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. But if they noticed that the kids are like running a little too close to the street, they'd call us back. If they noticed that there was something going on, maybe there was a fight about to break out or something, they would call us back. Mm. And they would just kind of be like, you know, come here, yeah. stay here over there do you see what's going on you don't want to be there right now it wasn't so much that you know this is this is our family and here we are and we're all going to take care of you and we're going to sit here and we're going to show you all of these things sure but when you hear enough of it Mm -hmm. you become aware and they would tell you you know you've Mm got to look you've got to see what's happening you've got to see what's going on Mm -hmm. and then you know
2: like i would have friends whose older siblings would end up in the gangs, well that's i'm saying they they get that's the that's the hook right that's the hook for the ones that are vulnerable is that macro level of like supervision and then the ones that might not have the connection or someone at home whatever be a parent or extended family whatever the connection is to keep them grounded then they're the ones that get looped into the gangs. so that that kind of like cracker or that act of kindness is an enticing way in and it, yeah. and it's really kind of like a recruiting way in, in way. some ways but no, way. it's not intended as that yeah. but because they legitimately don't want to see like a little kid hurt yeah. there's like they're not like people are human beings and no, sure. don't want to see kids hurt right but it's also a way of oh this is like a series of interactions that were not necessarily yeah. anyone asking anything of me that kind of stuff it just so. becomes they become your friends and this is what it yeah. is but i've had
0: like we had friends that their older siblings would end up in the gang. So sure. then they would come back and they would tell you stories. Yeah. And then based on those stories, you form your own kind of opinion viewpoints, right? Like, So they would talk about, you know, oh, they all got in a car and they all went up to like this side of the city and they were all, you know, slowly driving by and they were looking for somebody. So when you hear things like that, you're like, okay, whoa, is there a car driving really slowly? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like Is there something that's about to happen? And it's right. not because somebody told you to look out for it. It's because right. you hear stories. Yeah it's not that you're in it or anything
1: for us it was a tunnel but carry on ah. don't go through that tunnel (laughs)
0: because
1: on the other yeah there was a
0: forest yeah Yeah.
1: and one day i just had to go through the tunnel because i was running late and you know oh my
0: god we had that with old markham road they were like stories of like old markham road and if you drive out there at night and there are people there and they're gonna come they're gonna ride like they're gonna ram you and i remember getting my first car and my girlfriend and i were like let's go (laughs) oh
1: wow okay (laughs)
0: nearly wet ourselves because at one point we were going under a bridge and all of a sudden this car high beams turn on and it starts following us and we're like oh my, we're gonna die yeah and whether it was just a prank because people are so used to you know geniuses yeah. like us coming and doing ridiculous things like that and it's just a prank that they play or if the stories are true you don't know but in that moment you're terrified but you can't help but want to experience it
1: so you're in the survival mode yeah. when you're when you're in, when you were in cedar Bray. You don't realize it then. You don't, but you're in survival mode. Sure,
0: yeah, I get. I mean, as a child, well,
1: I don't you're know. looking out for cars that are passing by slowly. You're so <laughs> looking out for danger. <laughs> yeah, but you don't well,
0: realize. Yeah,
1: right. You know yeah, what I mean? It's normal to you.
0: So one of the big things. So we're in Vaughn now, and you know, not long ago, we had that mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. at Jade and Rutherford. Mm-hmm. I drove by it as it was happening.
2: Mm, yeah, my back onto it i see those condos right yeah. in my backyard yeah so i drove uh, by what
1: situation are we the talking
2: shooting there was that five was people it? that were shot in um a boardroom at gene and rutherford yeah. it was um it was a dispute i think between one of the tenants and the was it it's the, a resident the committee the some kind of committee the board condo the board right. yeah
1: condo board that right. i remember thing. that now yeah so I drove by that. It was in that. the news recently, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It was in December, mm-hmm. just yeah. before the holidays, mm-hmm. maybe a week before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I remember turning left onto Jane coming home from the Vaughn Mills area, and I see all of these lights. And as I'm driving by, I noticed three cars parked on Jane Street, and then police cars next to them. And instinctually, I was like, oh my God, we either have a hostage situation, somebody's threatening suicide, or there's an active shooting. And then the entire drive home, I'm like, are you insane? Mm -mm. Who thinks of things like this? Yeah. And I'm having an entire discussion with myself of all the reasons why this is the only explanation. And I came home.
1: Yeah. What were there? I
0: told my husband, my husband's like, this is not normal. Like, there could be an emergency. I'm like, no, you don't understand. There's no reason for that many police cars to be there. There's no reason for there to be an ambulance bus. There's no reason for cars to be abandoned on jane street when you're not allowed to park on jane street and he's like oh but you know maybe it was that i said no i've seen bomb squad yeah there were no you know armored there was none of this there was no that and he's looking at me he goes this is not like people don't think like this and sure enough half an hour later it was like we have an active situation yeah
1: so you 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 is it is it because of your experience
2: yeah Yeah. like you've seen things like this before and it's like that synaptic hardwiring. It's like when you hear a loud noise and you associate it with danger, then you hear, every time you hear a loud noise, you jump, yeah. right? And
1: so. So there's this association these, with yeah. sound or a picture or an image and yeah. danger. Yeah,
2: she's seen and similarities.
0: Yeah. yeah, like there's just certain ways where, like, there's a certain way that a police car will park mm-hmm. when it's about to, like, catch somebody. Yeah. Like, if you've ever noticed, sometimes you'll see two police cars that are facing each other on the same side of the street, which is not normal. Mm-hmm. And it's because they want to be able to go. Yeah. If, regardless of the direction, the person they're seeking runs. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You're 100% right. But you until, you've police, seen it, yeah, until you see them, until you don't know. Right? Yeah. You kind of know what. Because otherwise is. they park behind each other like normal.
1: So cars. was this thing that happened in Vaughn a big deal because, especially a bigger deal because it happened in Vaughn? Probably. Like if this happened in Cedar who like, okay, it happened in Cedar Brake again. Yeah. Um, was that was that a big deal because it happened in Vaughn or bigger deal?
0: Because I mean, it's a. It's a big deal to have people anywhere. got down in their house. Like, yeah. anywhere you go. You know what I mean? Anywhere that you go, to have somebody come and knock on your door and to shoot you, that's kind of mm-hmm. a big deal. I mean, I don't even think those kinds of things happen there. Like, they never showed up at your door and... mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. generally happens. It's
2: actually outside the community. Yeah, they don't it's
0: generally... Like, yeah. like, it's not usually that way. Yeah. Um, or at least not that I'd ever heard of. But, I mean, just... It was a very odd situation mm-hmm. like it was a very very odd situation for like a dispute over a utility room and you know certain thing and i mean mental health issues contribute to that as well and
1: so when you were you were this time you were in Bray. you're growing up yeah. you're you're <laughs> observing these things you're making associations say mm-hmm. you know situations yeah. and what's dangerous and what's not dangerous um you know you look back on it um what, what How old were you when you moved out of Cedar Bray? 14. Okay. So yeah. That's a lot of influence, right? That's a <laughs> yeah. lot of time that you're there. And um where did you move after that?
0: Oh, my. Well, let me tell you. So I went from Cedar Bray to York Mills and Leslie. Okay. So I went from, like, I should have been going to Cedar Bray Collegiate to I went to York Mills Collegiate. Okay. So I moved from, like, you know, let's say... The ghetto into, like, Beverly Hills
2: 90210.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Legit. I had no idea people lived like that like either.
1: Princess of Bel-Air. Yeah.
0: I had no idea people Is lived that like that either. <laughs> I got it. I, okay, I got it. And you go to, like, a place where kids are getting cars for their birthdays. I know. What? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, people drive to school? Mm-hmm. And it was so strange. And now, now, I'm, like, the ghetto kid. In the fancy school. So like. What were you
1: before in the ghetto?
0: So actually you know what's interesting is. Again back to my parents. And my my, my mom did whatever it was that she could to ensure. That this environment did not poison. Let's say us. And when my brother started kindergarten. My mother was able to get us into a school. On the right side of Kingston Road. So by fourth grade I was in school with the fancy kids. Oh. so I was literally on the wrong side of Kingston Road going to school, but Wait. she able to get. She was able
2: to get your boundaries for that other school
0: because they had a daycare there. I believe that because my brother needed childcare. Oh, so they yes. were able to she yeah do the get boundaries in yeah. so that the daycare was in the school, so they didn't have to do what they did with me and pick us up and drive like walk us home. But yeah, I got there and I was. I was the kid
1: from. So it was a better influence.
0: It was a great school, tidy little school, you know, only 20 of us in a class, only one class of each grade. Oh, wow. But when you're the kid from the wrong side of Kingston Road, you don't get invited to birthdays because those parents aren't comfortable because they don't know who your parents are. Hmm. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't get, you don't, you don't. But that's what I'm saying. I feel like it's a lot of the same stuff that it is. we get yeah. there. Like even uh, you talked about it, like somebody in your family married a villager and they were like you but know, not
0: you a know, villager <laughs> you know it, but it's right. just that that's you this can't. yeah
1: but now you're the villager
0: oh anyway. i was i wasn't the villager i but was like, like
1: maybe less than the villager who knows
0: oh i was i was the danger you right. know i was that i so was you've that you've
1: been on on a side where people are looking at the other side going we don't hang with them mm-hmm. and now you're on the other side where people are like we don't hang with you
0: yeah yeah it's just it's all I-
1: and what's the difference I
0: don't think anything, to be honest. There's no difference in that sense. There's no discrimination is discrimination is discrimination, like regardless of what it is. And I can tell you in every aspect of what I've done, whether it's been in business, whether it's been as a child or whatever else, there has been discrimination and reasons why people don't want to do business with me whether it's because I'm like as a woman, you know, generally speaking, men want to speak to my husband because clearly he's the man who makes the decisions. Mm -hmm. Fine. He writes the checks. Mm -hmm. He signs the checks. (laughs) But like at the end of the day, I run the day-to-day operations. Like there are many questions that you're going to want to ask me, not him.
1: But can I ask you going back to that? When you you realized, did you realize that you're not being Invited no. to the party. My
0: parents were. I so didn't know
1: that you were being. You're not no. being invited. To the
0: party. I just. I was never at birthday parties. I was just right. never at the birthday parties with those kids. And it's not until later that you realize. So
1: mm-hmm. when you first realizes, this, was this? Was there ever like a thought of like, like of injustice? Like what? What was wrong with me then? There was nothing wrong with. Me. No. But you never felt there was anything wrong. with
0: No, you? because my parents. But somebody
1: looked at you and said, you "Oh, know, belong here."
0: So many people looked at me. Mm-hmm. And said that throughout the entire course of my life. It was worse during high school.
1: Were they right about like not wanting to hang with you? No. Obviously. Why? <laughs> right? Like, in why? Fact, They missed out. <laughs> sure. And right? I mean, at the end of the day. Isn't that interesting? Like,
2: why? You know what I mean? Why? Like, yeah, what it's this the- perception. It's, it's a money. I remember when I'm hearing you speak right now. It just reminded me of when I lived. Um, I moved from um, a part of Bramalee into this house in Brampton And it had, like, wallpaper. I'm like, what? It has, like, wallpaper? And it had, like, a powder room when you came in. And this was, like, a big deal for my family. This was, like, it was a semi. And we're like, what the heck? This is a big deal. But I was the poorest kid in the area. And I didn't get invited for those because I didn't have the same clothes. I didn't have the same shoes. And and here I am living in the, quote-unquote, fanciest house that we've ever lived in. And I still wasn't included. But I was very aware of that. And so there's, like... I think there's like there's this i don't know there's a superficiality i think that's taught i think that about these divides that reinforces it and the illusion of money sometimes of was what it that money value money? is no. at money. least in that and experience for mine but yeah like there's just in this, high school it was money yeah yeah in, in high school, school it was become, money. yeah for sure in grade school like right.
0: being on the wrong side of kingston yeah Road. so i didn't even realize what was going on until i had my
2: daughter <laughs> yeah uh, and then it was like uh, oh so you think it's like the kids adopting the parents kind of perception well nice as or a then. parent Wait, i you can understand feel comfortable. Yeah. yeah as a parent i can you, understand say
1: i don't want you to hang with you're careful I, to protect your kid aren't you i
0: can see why they would be uncomfortable right hmm. like coming from you know the part that we were from like it's scary you know what i mean like a lot of i remember eighth grade one of the boys in our school got arrested because he brought his mom's hash to school mm-hmm. like these are the types of yeah. people who lived on the wrong side of kingston road right so as a parent you don't know if these are parents who right. participate. Partake so you're just being
1: cautious yes is that what they were being yeah so is, is that caution or is that discrimination
0: i think it's ignorance and it's a lack of willingness to actually put in the effort to understand.
2: Yeah, to be curious.
1: Not um, have the time to sift through going, "Hey, so do you have your mom's hash on you? No. Okay, you're good. Come to the party." There's nine so, girls in
0: the class. Right. Like you don't have the ability for the one kid that's new to take a minute to like say hi to the parent mm-hmm. when they come mm-hmm. to pick them up from school.
1: If they could have only done that to get to know you a little bit yeah. better.
0: Like right? you don't notice that like my parents are actually well put together and you know they are responsible we're on time we're like we don't look like mm-hmm. the kids who come from those types of environments cuz it's a very visible difference mm-hmm. you know, when you look at the children who come from yeah. those homes where there is that yeah. clear neglect versus people like my parents who were there because they didn't know any better mm-hmm. and they were doing what they could to manage with Two children and trying
2: to figure out this new world that they have simply
1: there just because it was a landing spot at the time, right?
2: I just find it so interesting because when I hear you talk about it, just my brain's just popping off thinking of things, and it's like it's like there's a hierarchy of um, what's acceptable dysfunction, right? So like I've seen some super affluent families that are Hmm. like they have the poster child of like the the career and the you know the nuclear fan, like all the little societal check boxes that you yep. can think of. The whole perception is there, the whole right. picture. But man, the dysfunction and chaos—I wouldn't want my child to go into these homes. We had many, and so—and that's the thing. Like it's just like but that's you, also dysfunction. But why is that dysfunction not?
1: But hold on, yeah. this is interesting? You say that, and yeah. then you just said you said, but if you just looked at us visibly,
2: yep, yeah. But
1: then visibly is also not
0: right. The yep,
1: the check. It's Isn't so that interesting? interesting?
0: It is. And you when
1: don't it know. the discrimination. And that's yes. kind of like my thought here is like, I see it. We all you, discriminate. Constantly.
0: Yeah, 100%.
2: Constantly. 100%. Like, whether 100%. you were in Iran,
1: it was happening. And then as you moved inside of, forget about cities, on the other side of the road. Yeah. And I know this is, it happens. It it's, does. It's real. Yeah. yeah um your insurance changes your insurance because
2: changes. your postal code oh is my real thing i <laughs> want to talk about that you know, my so <laughs> i know right? it's, uh, they're
1: not being subjective it's a it's it subjective. is pure discrimination at, yeah they, just, they take stats on yeah. it though they yeah
2: take stats. it's nonsense
1: um but <laughs> you know my 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 young son isn't gonna get a car because the the cost of the insurance for a
2: higher, young man in this area is is
1: higher than the value of the car itself yeah, yeah. so we're like pass and yeah. he's riding around in a bus for that reason yeah so he doesn't he doesn't think it's right so he will wait. Anyway, the point is though, there are these what do you want to call them? These pre like, lines that we draw in this like Yeah. these borders and we do it why do we have borders to protect ourselves and yeah. our families and of so course. everyone builds these borders and then these borders turn into bias. Yeah. But on the inside of the border of whether it's something visible or whether it's something geographic, or language, or country, on the inside of that border is still a human being. Yep. And that person is just fine. Yep.
0: Yep. I mean, there are people in this world, a very, very small, small number of people in this world who are maybe not so great from right. the beginning.
1: and, and a little bit like, misplaced, yeah. So,
0: like such a small, small...
1: And you've small been on both practice. sides of that. You've sure. seen it like where someone is kind of on your side. Not you, you didn't do it yourself. I, I haven't heard one word come from you where you were you were doing the judging you know i find that so to be very unique about you because so you know uh people around you were doing it and so that's another thing i'm curious about to find out more but you've seen it i
0: judged but the other way around so me Mm. like in high school right you're judging these kids from
1: these what are you saying like you guys were so spoiled or like what are you saying
0: what like what is wrong with them was like my whole thought process of like what is wrong with you what what, like, what looked wrong? You have everything you could possibly want, and you bitch, and you complain, and you're unhappy, and you're unsatisfied, and you think you don't have enough, and like, oh my God, my daddy didn't buy me the right car. Like, And mentally, I couldn't understand what the hell was wrong with these people. Hmm. And, you know, was it the whole slew of them? No, it might have been two or three kids out of like 500 who had this level of entitlement. But for me, I just assumed they were all the same hmm mm-hmm. they were all these kids that you know oh Your daddy
1: collegiate
0: oh excuse me daddy <laughs> didn't like buy you the right Mercedes people. like ooh, mm-hmm. right. right and there it was again yeah and it's just like oh so we judged because yeah. and it's because we didn't understand yeah I look at it today mm. and I can understand that the reason some of these kids are the way that they are is imagine you have parents who are never there ever ever there they go on vacation without you they leave you with a nanny they're constantly traveling for business they're not there for your birthdays like how would you feel
2: Mm.
0: like absolute garbage so what do you do you treat everybody else around you the only way you know how Mm -hmm. which is like absolute garbage Mm -hmm. and if your parents are there and all that they're doing is tossing money at you because they can't be bothered with you well then you know what you better get me the right thing that i asked for Mm -hmm. excuse you But you don't see it then because for me, I come from a family where even though my parents divorced, my parents never fought over custody. There was never any kind of like my parents decided that their relationship had ended fine. But we saw my dad whenever we wanted to see my dad. My dad could come and see us whenever he wanted to see us. There was never anything like that. So we came from an environment that was so full of love Mm -hmm. that we never felt like we didn't have. Right until you see the kid who gets a Mercedes, mm. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, "We don't
1: have that." <laughs>
0: well, I guess I. But
1: suppose... we have love. That's okay, though.
0: But you don't understand the it. value of that. Yeah, when mm-hmm. you have people who, my dad busted his butt every September so that my brother and I would have new, you know, mm. Nike shoes right. or silver jeans or root sweatshirts Here's for the mind. start Go of school. Buy your
1: stuff that you need for school. It
0: wasn't easy for them, but they did it. Right. You know what I mean? And I didn't have 14 pairs of jeans, Mm -hmm. but I had. You were okay. You know, and it was enough where I didn't feel like I looked like the kid who didn't have the Mm -hmm. same kind of things. But when you don't have those major voids, it's hard to understand why people behave that way. Yeah. So I can see why, maybe, if you don't understand why a decent human being would choose to live on the wrong side of Kingston Road why you might decide that oh clearly they're all the same let's just because so, there's no reality with it
1: so do you think that it's and this is like a hypothetical right yeah. like what if you never lived in cedarbury what if you started living in york mills
0: oh my god
1: would you have been one do you think have been one of them
0: no because no. i don't think i could ever have been one of them because my family situation none of that was the same hmm. But I will tell you this. So I run, I own, and I operate a property management company. And if I did not grow up where I grew up with the experiences that I had and the people that I grew up around, I would not be where I am today. My businesses would not have survived. They would not have thrived Wait. at all. So my husband and I started buying small residential, like triplexes, fourplexes, things like that, in like really distressed small towns in eastern Ontario. And, you know, the tenant profiles that we inherit were colorful because we were buying properties that were Mm
1: Stress. That's interesting.
0: (laughs) Colorful. There's no other way to put it other than colorful. Like there's, yeah, I mean, hey,
2: it's (laughs) all kinds of rocks (laughs) alike. Yeah. if I'm mean
1: diverse or like different colored people,
2: no, no, wow, like I'm talking so diverse. diverse. Just they, were sorry, sorry. they were
0: they were all diverse. It's, okay. in, it's like Eastern Ontario, right? So right. generally speaking, they were all, they're Canadians, okay. right? It wasn't okay. a very multicultural town. It's a small town, but like very colorful, very different walks of life, different okay. aspects of, you know, drug dealers and prostitutes and, you know, mm. just insanity mm. where if I was somebody who grew up at York mills and Maybe I want, I'm not in, buying this. And no, I, I didn't get to see anything before we bought it. My husband did. I didn't. (laughs) So I got there and it was like, what? (laughs) If I didn't have the experiences that I had, I would not have been able to survive what came with stabilizing a building like that. Mm -hmm. Like to be able to get up into somebody's face who is clearly an addict or clearly a criminal and to confidently be able to be like, you know what? Try me. Let's go. Let's play. And it was because I had that confidence of like, you're from some small town. Like, do you know where I come from? Like, <laughs> and they get scared because clearly I'm not stable, and instability is scary, especially to people who are expecting predictability. Mm-hmm. They're expecting that the person who bought my building is another one of these hoity-toity, fancy city people
2: mm-hmm. who follow the rules because they I see know it as instability, I see it as clarity. For them I'm yeah unpredictable. I I, I, yeah but yeah it's unpredictable because Whoa. it's not the norm for no, that in their experience but I mean she's yelling at me yeah I mean she's you know
0: up in my face and then the police would show up and now I'm all like I don't understand what's happening and <laughs> I'm five feet tall I weigh a hundred pounds like you know it's one of those situations where had I not been in an environment where I'd seen or been able to identify at what point the danger was not worth the challenge Or be able to recognize that, you know, like I had a tenant whose son was a very large distributor of cocaine in eastern Ontario. And she stopped paying my rent. I was like, that's it. Getting her out of here. We're done. And it was a very big confrontation. Half the street had come out and told my husband they need to get me out of the city because her son is so and so and he's going to like, you know. And I stuck my ground and he showed up 45 minutes later, paid my rent. And mom was gone by Monday. And nobody understood why. I said, because he's a businessman. Mm -hmm. I'm a liability. It's not worth the business to attack me. Mm. It's not worth the business to challenge me. They'll move on. But if I didn't have those experiences, I wouldn't have those understandings, nor would I have the confidence to be able to do that.
1: Sometimes sometimes people uh, who are in those, let's call them the ghetto or these these centers uh, inside our cities, they might find that... uh, you know, because of the environment and their, call it, starting point, yeah. that they're further behind. Yeah, for sure. Because of access to opportunities. Yeah, for sure. But you're saying, if I'm reading you right, that it's because you were there that you that, that was the opportunity for you to learn certain things and develop certain strengths. Yep.
2: Yeah. So So where's... Both of those I think is both true. Both, both are correct. true. So
1: they, because how can they both be
2: true? Ah, they, because yeah. when
0: we so we buy real estate. Okay. You only have so much money to be able to buy real estate, right? Like you need a down payment, you need to do these things. So if I grew up in York Mills, I would have access to a lot of capital where I would be able to buy lots of property. Okay. Great. So I would have an opportunity to very quickly make a whole lot of money generate a whole lot of assets to have a very comfortable net worth because I have a network of people who would fund my deals who trust me who have that ability and if I lose a hundred grand so what
1: yeah okay I got it I don't have York males you have because now you don't have the net so
0: we don't have a network of people we don't have friends we don't have any we don't have family who's gonna like you know mortgage their house to go and help us start it like we didn't have any of those things but because of my experiences we were able to push through and stabilize properties that bankrupted people who had that
1: right because of
0: because of those ex- like because of knowledge you, you quite- learn you have street yeah. smarts there's nothing else to call it other than street smarts you have the ability to read human beings and respond to those humans in a language that they understand to seek a solution too right and a mutually beneficial solution for all Yep. if you want to do bad things in my property i am your best friend and i am here every week and i am super nice to you it's not that i go in there and i fight with you i go in there and i want to be like the best landlord you've ever had i want to be there every week to make sure everything's okay and it's very difficult to run an operation that's not legit if the person who owns the house is there every bloody monday she won't go away. She wants to plant flowers. She wants to do this. It's getting in the way of business. Let's go.
1: Right. So back but back to the, the question I'm asking. Which is? is that you, you you say you've got this the way you are. is yeah. because of where you come from. Yeah. And not just Cedar Bray. All the way back maybe to Iran and having the parents that you have. My who, parents 100%. You've repeated this many times and who've walked you through many... Uh, instances, circumstances of instability, including their own separation, which can be very unstabilizing, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the number one cause out there sometimes for like kids who are, you know, dysfunctional because like their families are dysfunctional. So you've been in moments that there's a lot of instability or dysfunction, but you've also seen and been shown that you can go through dysfunction and levels of instability Still feeling very secure.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%.
1: 100%. How is that done?
0: How is it done?
1: Yeah. How do you go through all this instability, creating an environment that feels stable?
0: So with my parents, um, I can only speak from my own experience. And for them, I think the only men What did they do? They tried to keep things as normal as humanly possible for that? us. Um so my dad and I were very, very close. Right. Very, very close. Um, and, you know, my mother, if she was like any of the moms that I witnessed when I saw friends of mine whose parents were going through divorce, would have used that as a vehicle or a tool mm-hmm. to negotiate.
2: Mm.
0: Oh, you know, she's close to you. You're close to her. Well, I'm going to withhold from you until you pay this or do do this, this and give me the. They never did that. My mother's whole thing was, okay, you know what? You want to see your dad? Okay, no problem. He, You want him to come here? Okay, no problem. It didn't mean that they sat there and they were the best of friends or anything like that. No, but they didn't fight. You know what I mean? They didn't fight in front of us. They didn't talk down about each other in front of us. They didn't ever sit there and say, oh, you know, your dad was this or, oh, your mom was that. And if we ever complained, it was like, excuse you. That's your parent. That's your mother. That's your father. How dare you?
1: In spite of them having potentially their own They had their
0: own situations, but there was never this allowance. Like the expectations that we had as a family when we were all under one roof were still there when we were under separate roofs. Yeah. Those, res- the respect, the communication, and all of those things. And because that expectation was there, the access... Was also there, right? Because how can you expect a child
1: access to what
0: to the parent to okay. one another, like to access to the family, the relationships, yeah. which wasn't and that's common. the
1: root of the the stability.
0: In my opinion, I think of course, think so. I think yeah. that's the biggest yeah. challenge is that you have, or at least from what I witnessed with the friends of mine whose parents went through divorce when we were in high school they were nasty divorces, right? Dad cheated on mom, mom is angry, everybody wants to get back at everybody else. And when there's money to fight over, well, then there's money to fight over. <laughs> so they would use the kids as pawns, right? Mm-hmm. mom would talk really poorly about dad. And then the kids would, you know, start attacking dad, or they didn't want to see and it just, it creates this mental instability. So like already you're Already everything's weird, right? Yeah, like already everything's going through everything
1: something is. at thirteen or whatever.
0: And now all of a sudden you're not supposed to talk to your dad because your dad is evil and your dad is this and your dad is that and it's it's so much more compounded versus having okay. two adults who look at you and say, "Okay, this is our problem. Mm-hmm. This is not a you problem. Mm-hmm. We are still your parents. We still love you. We're still the same human beings.
2: This has not changed. We just can't coexist together." Yeah. So. I just want to speak to this for a like, second because like what you're speaking to I was I had a conversation about a year ago on a, a another podcast and it was about it was called just I, I said what do you want to talk about and I said I want to talk about disconnection and families yeah. because that's what you're speaking to and and, the, and I think the foundation of what your experience and what has made you successful or resilient or whatever these words we want to attach for achievement or moving mm-hmm. forward is really come from a foundation of connection yeah. and so and I I specialized in separation and divorce in, you know, one of my my careers. And um and what you're speaking to there is it resonates a lot for me because there is a lot of emotional harm and a lot of damage that can come from separation and divorce. And the way our system navigates, it really compounds and exacerbates it. Yep. And it's incredibly heartbreaking. And so but coupled with that, we well, even with intact families, we're so overwhelmed with like jobs and trying to get money on or or earn enough money to get food on the table like everything is so much more expensive and a lot of families I speak to it's not a matter of them not working enough they're underemployed they're working too much and still not making enough and so it's that disconnection is that is so and and, is the disconnection that is causing a lot of this unhappiness even with those wealthy kids it's the same thing that the families that are working too much just to like basic ends meet and then they have the families that are working too much that have so much abundance. It's the same issue as yeah. disconnection, yeah. right? 100%. And and I think that is one of the core things is when you have that solid foundation no matter what chaos is circling around you, yeah. whether you're in the quote-unquote ghetto or in the affluent areas, yeah. whatever the chaos is, you're good because you have that foundation of connection. Like, is that, that's kind of like how I'm perceiving your story. Does that, how does that resonate? The best example I can give you is, so my parents, so my dad passed
0: away in 2019. My dad had lung disease. Um, And then the last three months of his life, he actually ended up with tuberculosis, which really accelerated things. And just, it it was, it was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even put it any other way. Yeah, Uh, Horrible. But nobody knew he had lung disease. So he didn't tell any of us for five years and then he got sick and he couldn't you know things just things weren't normal so i went with him to his respirologist and his respirologist was like do you have any idea what's going on said no what's happening your dad's dying just like that just and i thought oh no way like this is not happening so i took my dad to toronto general We got him into the ER. I called my mom. I let her know what was happening. They admitted my dad because they couldn't figure out there were a whole bunch of compounding issues. Like my dad was having issues he couldn't swallow. And he had all kinds of things that he was saying. He had stomach problems and whatever else. And so they admitted him. And on day three, so my parents, you know, they split up. My parents really, they didn't talk. As normal as like, they tried to keep things for us, they didn't communicate.
1: So that at a level of disconnect, I see. A little bit.
0: Right. Yeah. But it was what they needed to do to be able to keep the rest some of autonomy it cool for us. Right. Yeah. Day three, my mom shows up at the hospital. My dad and I are sitting, talking. He's laying in his hospital bed. I'm sitting next to him. We're talking. And all of a sudden, my dad stops talking. And I turn and I look, and my mom is standing in the doorway. And she just, she was downtown. She had an appointment. She came. She just, she asked my dad how he was doing, how he was feeling. She asked me how I was doing. Is there anything I can do? No, we're okay. All right. And She went. And when my dad was discharged from the hospital and we figured out, so he had an ulcer, which was one of the reasons they thought he had stomach cancer, thank God. Um, it was an ulcer. They put him on his medication, things like that. They had to change his diet. And every Sunday, my mom would cook for my dad and send food with my brother to my father. This is That's a woman. Connection. Yeah, who yeah. you know what that's I mean
2: and, and you're caring yeah and that's caring, caring for the child attention. because the child's an extension of that parent so when you care for the parent you care for the child and it's just there is yeah. no woman that I know mm. who
0: separated from a spouse yeah. and had you know a relationship like my parents had which was virtually non-existent other than my brother and I being kind of their kids and in the middle who would sit and intentionally prepare meals that he enjoys. Yes. Mm-hmm. That are within the restrictions that he needs to heal. Yeah. Because ulcers are, you know, so reactive. Every single week. And she did that until the day he was admitted into the hospital and didn't come home. Like, this is the kind of stability that they created for us within mm-hmm. the means that they had. Mm-hmm. No matter what was happening, that. You are my family, and you are here, and we are a unit. Was yeah. there?
1: Well, what do you What do you think? I mean, I guess it's a question to ask them, but I'm asking you. What, what do you think? Like, it takes to do that? Oh, I couldn't even imagine. Like, does it take money? No. What does it no. take? No, you, have, is, to you have to. Have to well, what is it that you, we don't have? What is have it that we don't have to be able yourself. to do? outside of
2: yourself. It's outside of yourself. What is
1: it that we don't have to be able to do? what your mom did or what your what your dad's done for you to create the stability it wasn't money
0: no it wasn't money what was it my so my mom comes from a family of you know there's five siblings they were surrounded by their own family and she came into and she came from affluence too. your mom yeah right and she came into a world where it was just her her husband and her kids and she gave up everything so that her kids could have a better life and there's no way that that wasn't going to happen and my mother always put us first and i think that's what one of the things at least in divorce gets missed is Mm. mom and dad are so hurt and so angry that they forget about their kids
1: but they were like this with you even during the other transitions
0: of course because (laughs) you're taking a kid in the middle of in the middle of a war and in the middle of like a whole situation and you're
1: because that's, that's not that's the of, average way of doing things. No. Where people who are going through a lot of instability themselves, how do they create stability for mm-hmm. somebody like you? That's truly breaking cycles. Yeah. That is um, unbelievably powerful. I think powerful. it's a
2: choice, though. Because, like, is I it
1: just that? That's it? They just made it, a choice?
2: It's choice. I know for me and my experience with like what, like I did something very similar in when I divorced. Um, and for several, for a very long time anyway. And so... Um, and what I found was there's this culture of you're divorcing so now you're separate and there's this cultural pressure or societal pressure to be like almost treat each other as adversaries yeah. and so and 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 at times you are in an adversarial stance because you're yeah. going through a conflict that and you have to remind yourself okay we're not adversaries we're on the same team but we're having a very serious disagreement right now yeah. and I know for me It's and I think and I I feel that it might have been the same in your mom's experience. It's a series of choices, and I know what I had to do perpetually was whose needs am I meeting? Whose needs am I need for conflict? My need to be right. My need to win over you. No, that doesn't that doesn't trump the needs of the children. And so sometimes that has to win because you have to assert yourself or you have to get you know your you know your position across. But nine times out of 10, I think what we need to be supporting each other is whose needs are we meeting as the collective of the family, not as the individual. And that's a hard thing to do, it's hard.
1: I I get that when you've got as many stakes as you have in the game with children. That's that's big stakes, right? And they're very meaning, they mean a lot to to you at that time. But they demonstrated this behavior consistently in other situations. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I'm noticing is that, you know, when you moved, and then I have another question I got to ask you. <laughs> as many but, as you want. But, but, um, well, what I wanted to actually get to before the, like this, this is this is great to hear you say this because it tells a lot about kind of Lena why you are the way you are, and um, a lot of people go through some of the same experiences yeah. that you have, yeah. don't really have the same Outcomes. outlook or
0: outcome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And so what I'm trying to figure out is what is you know how to bridge those two gaps because you're in a place like you look well, you sound well, you've got a great outlook, a great attitude, look at how you take care of people. look at the business that you're in today. Okay. you're taking care of people, and you come from places where there doesn't seem to be very present. Yeah. but there was one place it was very present. Okay. So um, okay, fine, that's there. I got it now. Yeah. But then you yourself said. And, you know, you talk about where I'm going with it is, you know, was it discrimination or was it being disconnected when the lady in Ottawa said what she said?
2: Oh.
1: How do you know the difference between just being disconnected and just discrimination? Is there really a difference?
0: I think there is. Like the disconnect is the ignorance, right? It's just the. That's all it is. It's just pure and complete ignorance. They're disconnected. They are so. That's all. Yeah.
1: I didn't like you when it was happening. That's, I'll always say it. It's, but odd. Yeah. they're just a little disconnected.
0: Yeah. Very much so. Very, very much so. Mm-hmm.
1: And if they just knew a little bit more, it would go away.
0: Or be willing to just yeah. experience a little bit more. Just be willing to experience. Yes, change is hard. Okay. It's very difficult if you come from an area where you're not used to seeing people that look like me. And now they're there and they're working there, and you feel like they're getting in your way, fine. But like, be willing to experience what comes with those changes, and maybe it's not so bad. Mm-hmm. But they're so set on, this is not okay, that they're not willing to even experience the good that comes. But
1: maybe with they gave it a chance and they had some bad experiences. Maybe.
2: So? I often see those those statements as invitations to be curious, right? Like, And that I think when people can have conversations about those things like you know why why do you feel that way like what has happened and and sometimes it's you we don't know where it comes from it comes from a whole there's a whole plethora of reasons where it comes from but there's so many examples I could give you that are just like
0: I used to do consulting for a property management company in Ottawa and the gentleman who owned the company came to me one day and said hey do you have any family who might be immigrating to Canada that might be willing to, like, clean the apartments?
1: And I thought, "Mm, okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: I was like, I'm not sure I understand There's your a question. Lot of
1: stuff in there, <laughs>
0: yeah. I, ju- I just, I, my response was, I don't think I understand your question.
1: Oh, you're yeah. a property
0: you owner. Do you know anyone? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what do you mean? Do I have family? Like, I, mm. I just, I genuinely didn't understand.
1: They so weren't asking you because you were a property manager. No, They're I'm consulting. You, you might have in, yeah. in family.
0: They, they clearly asked, do I have anybody? Do I have any family huh. who's immigrating to Canada? Sure. who might be interested. I was just like, I don't understand your question. Well, you know, like, do. you? Your your family's not from here, right? Like, clearly, no, they are not. <laughs> well, are any of them immigrating and looking for work? I said, well, yeah, but like, you know, they're not really looking to like clean apartments. Oh well, work is work.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. And I just kind of looked at the gentleman, and I was like, okay, so I'm going to ask you a question. Why? Do <laughs> As she the curiosity though, was it a tennis racket? Yeah, tennis right. Court? I okay. it was. It was a tennis racket okay. that okay. I threatened that poor boy with. Just
1: <laughs> <It's tenless> image. <laughs>
0: But I said, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. so why do you think that my family who would be immigrating to Canada would want to clean your buildings? Well, they need work. Right. And I thought, okay. so I asked him, I said, do you know what is required to immigrate to Canada right now? Yeah. And he kind of looked at me. He goes, what do you mean? It's a heavy load. I was like, you can't just show up and be like hi I want to live in Canada like there are requirements you have to have an education that can mm-hmm. be used here you have to have money that you're bringing here are you bringing like there's there's, there's different there, ways like, of getting visas. bank account amount. yeah right? like yeah. there are different types of visas that you can come and you can get and things like that like short of coming as a refugee like it's not just hi I want to move here so welcome like you have to bring something with you that's going to contribute to Canadian society and he kind of looked at me he goes well, what I said okay let me make this as clear for you as I can I have two cousins who are immigrating they are both engineers they're both coming here on student visas because they're going to get their PhDs and one of my cousin's husbands are also coming on a business visa because they're opening up a business here in Canada Mm -hmm. that's how they were permitted residents yeah so no they're not going to be cleaning your buildings Hmm. and it really is sometimes just a matter of there's this like tennis racket back yeah okay good it's just but there, it's just But ignorant. that's the lens it's that he saw. Yeah. They don't understand. So, they think it's the 80s and we've got all these people who have to escape war and now they're all coming here and they'll do whatever it needs to take because my parents did that. Yeah. You know what I mean my dad. And there's, there's still, still people. Happening. There's still people they, that, there are people yeah. who have to do that. Right? Yeah. And in the industry that I'm in, right, property management. Like you go onto Facebook groups and there's so much discrimination against, oh, do not rent to these refugees. You're never going to see your money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe one out of ten. Because these are people who have fled the worst possible conditions and they will do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to never have to go back.
1: You know, one thing that uh, struck me that you said earlier, um, and and I don't know if you use this as a technique or not uh, intentionally. Okay. But you talked about when you have a certain kind of um, tenant. Yep. And... You do a couple of things. Mm -hmm. It turns that tenant from being a tenant who is like, you know, a C Mm tenant to an A Mm tenant or gets out. Mm -hmm. What is the root of that, would you say?
0: Uh, Okay, so I believe that as human beings, we are fundamentally good people. Fundamentally, Mm -hmm. everything that we want to do, we want to do well and we want to do to be recognized as a good person. Right. Because generally speaking, wholeheartedly, I do, because nobody's going to go out there and be like, hey, guess what? I just stole forty five thousand dollars from this unsuspecting investor. Right. Right? Like you don't want people to know that you're a crappy human being or that you make bad choices. We make bad choices. And because we are good people, we feel ashamed. We feel regret. We feel all kinds of feelings that cause us to want to be better. And then there's a small fragment of the population who just don't care. Mm -hmm. They are just not good people. And that's okay. You know what I mean? We're never going to get 100%, but we'll probably get 97, (laughs) 95. You know what I mean? So when you come into a place where, let's say, it's a multi-residential property, because that's what we buy. We buy multi-residential. When you have one or two bad people, and again, this comes back to the experiences of growing up in an area where there's a lot of not so great people. Seemingly. Seemingly, yeah. And what ends up happening is you have one or two groups who control the majority of what goes on, and you have the choice in order to survive to either leave or acclimate to conform, comply, to play along, whatever that might be, and however that might look, right? So my parents chose to just mind their own business, keep their head down, not get involved in anything. They go to work, they come home, that's it. Like you don't make friends kind of outside of people that you find within the your own take aside. No, like it was you see nothing. Blinders, this is it. Like these are my blinders. I'm going to my car. That's it. I see nothing else around me. And then they stay ha- neutral. Yeah. And you have other people who choose to participate in order to be accepted so that they're not attacked. Mm. And in these buildings where you have, let's say, one tenant who is genuinely just a horrible human being, you're gonna have another two or three who are playing along because they don't want the trouble. And the minute you give those people the opportunity to be good, mm. they're going to take it because they don't want to live like that. They don't want to be these people. They don't want to be in an environment where their kids are exposed to the guy downstairs who's selling drugs. Mm-hmm. And the reason they were like that is because the person prior to me didn't care. It was about that dollar. It was about that bottom line.
1: What do you call that? What do you, what you just describe <laughs> what would you call that
0: the person who didn't care
1: about no the act of doing that to them giving them that opportunity
0: i don't treating them like a human i don't know like, <laughs> i don't know what to call, it. call it just yeah. being a human being and i don't know if it's because growing up like my parents are educated people you know what i mean my dad was a physicist my mom was a nurse like these are educated human beings who came into an environment and were treated like absolute garbage by garbage
1: mm.
0: and when you see that I don't know. I, I can't stand it. I can't stand to see other people who are just marked as not worth it. So now... So you it's was, a choice, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. Tell me.
1: So I'm just curious. Yeah. You said earlier... Yeah. Before we started recording... Yeah. That when you see men with beards... Yep. Yeah. You have a reaction.
0: Oh, so this was when I was little, my parents would tell me that like when we were on a bus or something and there was a very big bearded man like okay. I would get as a child I would cry and they would yeah. scare me and whatever else and I'm sure that's just based on the environment that we were in right
1: I don't know I'm asking
0: now no my brother has a beard okay <laughs> no this is not something that's a long-term thing I, there are a oh, lot of okay. things was, no this is not an ongoing there so but I'm as curious. a child they yeah. would tell me I don't recall these things but oh. my dad would tell me like they would be on a bus and a bearded man would yeah. be on the bus and like I would just scream like really? I would just start to cry and wow they wouldn't know why or what was happening. And it's just as a child. Right. You're in an environment, especially for us. Right. There's so much upheaval and movement and whatnot that new things,
2: different things. Yeah. It's scary. And plus, like facial hair for kids, they really look for facial cues and it hides a lot of visual stimulus. So that yeah. they're not able to assess. So it's like it yeah. scary if you're not used to it how did you overcome it i don't know
0: i didn't know it was a problem you know what like so it's funny a lot of these things Linda. i didn't even know it was a pro i didn't i didn't know until it was like there's another thing right like basements i don't go into basements mm. when we go to view property if that basement's not finished i am not going in there and my husband's like what's wrong with you i said the smell just i can't deal with it and whether that is something that comes from you know when you're you're fleeing and you're running and you're doing all mm. these other things. Like, I'm sure that you. there are places yeah, that we were temporarily that, you know, probably smelt the same way mm-hmm. or areas that, you know, smelt a certain way or looked a certain way or the lighting was a certain way that, you know, in my brain are still tied to danger that, like, I won't... There's no way I'm going into a basement that's not finished, especially if it smells musky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, thank mm-hmm. you. I don't need to know. The inspector will take a look and if there's something wrong, he will let me know. And then <laughs> I will go. <laughs> like, I have such... A strong, no way, Jose! Like not going to happen. You could not pay me to go down there. No,
1: because you have you've, you. might have had some bad experiences
0: for sure. Like there's so no that's logical what I'm explanation.
1: Asking, Lena. So what about the lady who didn't want to stand behind lines of brown people because they just know that is not acceptable? Why is that not okay? And this is okay. Why?
0: Well, because it's a basement. That's not but, a human being. It's still mm-hmm. a. Feeling. So like you know, yeah. It's but like, feeling. is the basement upset that I don't want to go in there?
1: You know what I mean? Like I'm just I'm asking
0: right? It's human
1: <sighs> what's the difference?
0: I don't know. It's the same concept. like somebody asked me why I was so concerned about a raccoon crossing, you know, a street that could get hit by a car. and it's like, you know, there's a certain responsibility that we
2: have, yeah as human beings. Uh, mm. a basement's not living. A person's a living yeah. being is yeah. so
1: our formula is okay. and somebody else's formula needs to change.
2: I don't think it needs to change. I think well, maybe they need to reconnect with what is intrinsically valued. I think we disconnect at times, right? And just just so I can only speak
0: for myself, mm-hmm. right? And I was raised by people who genuinely just, all they wanted was to be able to provide a life that would be solid and stable. Mm-hmm. And... You know the only thing that they ever taught us was no matter what happens we're all humans and at the end of the day unless we're taking care of each other yeah like my parents come from an environment where one group of people decided that another group of people weren't good enough Mm -hmm. yeah and then decided to hunt them persecute them whatever it is right so i believe that when you come from an environment like that and
1: those guys had big beards (laughs) they did i think so yeah Uh, actually that's part of the story isn't it so now when you see it and you hear it now right
0: but as people like i don't know how to explain it like yeah i can discriminate i can discriminate against a building i can look at a building and say it's gross and it's dirty and it's ugly and it's nasty and it's not gonna turn around and take what i said Mm. and tell their child Mm that a girl who looked like this said this about me, therefore these people are no good. And that child is not going to turn around and say that. Where then, you know, three or four or five generations down the line, somebody's going to be like, hey, brown kid, mm-hmm. Hey, do you know somebody who wants to sweep up my apartment? Versus when you have somebody who has decided that because you're of a different color, you're coming here and you're taking something from me versus contributing something to me. When that mentality goes through, we continue to divide and we continue to create an environment where there's this massive split and the environment that you end up living in, like, how did we end up with ghettos? Like, how did we end up with a group of people who live on one side of Kingston Road who don't have and who are, I don't know, addicted to drugs go and all of these because other things, right?
1: Then we're talking about some systematic things. Yeah. But... Yeah. but We do it individually is my point. Yeah. You're from that side of the road, I'm from this side of the road. You go to that, so that's my point. So you've been on both sides of it. I think that's what makes you really special (laughs) is that, but I think all of us tend to be sometimes, we've seen it from both angles, most people have, but most people see themselves on one side. Like right now I'm being discriminated against. Well, you don't realize Mm -hmm. sometimes you're discriminating too. Um, So as somebody who's kind of seen it from both sides, and I've never, actually heard you ever sound like you discriminate so basement's okay but (laughs) and and i'm just challenging you on it that's all i was doing but really what i think that you have a you're in a really special position to be able to say to someone who feels like they're being discriminated against because you felt it and it can it sucks it hurts it hurts and Mm -hmm. it almost feels like like now therefore i it almost changes your behavior because yep. now I'm going to act this way now. 100%. It almost prompts you to act a certain way. <laughs>
0: and then you invite it.
1: And then you it just continues to feed.
0: Or you and invite something different. Right, yep. but
1: then you didn't do that. I did. Oh, you did. Oh, no, of course so I ch- did. What changed, though? What did the you The
0: realization. Okay, How
1: did you so, break that cycle? Okay, so...
0: Discrimination, like discrimination wise, yeah. I don't think that I would. So, yes, I judged the kids that I went to school with. And you know what? We're human. There's always going to be some aspect of judgment because we don't understand. 100%. But I was never somebody who was like, oh, you know what? Like, you smell funny and I don't want to talk to you type thing. Hmm. Um, that was never me. And I think it was because I was always the kid who didn't fit in. So I didn't ever want to make somebody else feel the way that I felt. Mm <laughs> But when we started our businesses, my mentality was very much what I was being told by whom I viewed as people who were successful, which was, it's your bottom line. You've got to think about how much money you're making, this and this and that. You don't bring emotion into it.
1: Mm. I mean, on the other side, when you were being discriminated. What about it? Yeah. How did you stop yourself from buying into that? I'm going
0: to get to that. Yeah. So bottom line things that started to bring. So when it comes into the business of real estate, property management, rentals, the best way to increase your bottom line is to become somebody who discriminates. I don't want people who are on welfare. I don't want people who don't have proper jobs, who don't look like this, who don't come from the perfect modeled family. And you start to discriminate Mm -hmm. and you start to be very selective of what you think the right people are to put into place.
1: You have something to protect, right? Your investment.
0: Yeah. Well, you're not. Mm. That's what we learned is the minute I took the humanity out of what we were doing, the minute I took out the, these are humans and their livelihoods. And I started treating people the way people treated my parents. We had a very hard time with Mm -hmm. our businesses. We nearly went bankrupt. And why? Because when you treat people like garbage, you get garbage back. Yeah. And when you have problematic tenants who are leaving, who are damaging things, who are like creating problems because you're not treating them with what human beings want to be treated with respect and they want to be treated as if they count for something.
1: No matter how they look.
0: Yeah. Hmm. You know what I mean? For me as a kid, all I wanted was to not. Feel like I was somehow less than. Mm-hmm. And my yes. parents made sure that that never happened, mm-hmm. which is why when kids did it, it didn't matter because the people who matter didn't do it to me. Mm-hmm. So the rest of it didn't really matter. So now I'm turning around and I'm doing something like that to somebody. And in turn, they're going to react the way any human being would when they're being made to feel somehow less than.
1: Yeah. Well, there you go. You nailed it right now. You just said, and that's the key. It, it seems that. You didn't respond to the discrimination because you were being treated right by Mm -hmm. someone or somewhere that mattered most. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you say to people who don't have that? How could they overcome it?
0: It's hard because I think about that a lot, too, right? Like, how do you deal with that? And the only way. So, you know what? We're not all blessed with wonderful parents.
1: Mm -hmm. Right? You're you're very blessed.
0: I am so incredibly blessed.
1: So, what happens with someone who didn't have that same
0: I so think that, same that leverage. So I think the most important thing do you for find your leverage. You find them. Like Whoa. you have. Where is what one of those?
1: What would you say to them? <laughs> you let her talk? Hurry up! <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> Hurry up! I'm so <laughs> scared. <laughs> there's an answer inside your head. I know. I'm, I'm talk like talking. Why talking I keep talking?
0: To be honest, um, <laughs> the s- only in there. I know. I know. So the only way I think for... So I know a lot of people who don't have that. You know what I mean? And I didn't know it wasn't a normal thing until. And I think one of the biggest things that those people need to understand, number one, is, okay, so life sucked, sure. People weren't always there for you, okay. But now you have a choice. You have, you have, a, have choice. a choice. <laughs> you can that. decide that you're worth it. Yeah. You can decide that you're worth it. You can decide that you are not just some unworthy, less than kind of insignificant speckle on the earth, okay? And you can decide that what you're going to do is you are going to make a change in what happened to you. And the minute that I believe you find one person whom you can bring out of that space that you were put into, you will find... Mm -hmm that you will create this community of people who are now willing to show you who you are. Wow,
1: that's great.
0: Because you decided for a minute that somebody else mattered more than you.
2: <clears throat>
1: that was That's great. I, I, I totally, I see just the way you described it. Mm-hmm. So taking it from like sh- empowering somebody To realize that they're, you take them, you just took it from being the victim of something Mm -hmm. to forget about yourself for a second and empowering somebody else. And through empowering somebody else, you get empowered. Mm
0: -hmm. How can a speckle of nothingness create change in somebody else? Mm -hmm. It can't.
2: You have to be somebody worthy. And you were not, we're not the stories we tell ourselves either, right?
1: Or that somebody else told us. Or
2: someone else told us, exactly.
1: It's you, when you start telling yourself your story. Yeah. And help somebody with their story.
2: Hundred percent. You decide.
1: Obviously, you have something.
0: A speckle of nothingness can't change anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can't. Everyone can do good. Yeah, so sure. if you can make one person feel better about themselves, clearly you are not nothing.
1: I need a tissue. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's so powerful. Um, thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, any last thought of your your experience today and how you what you were thinking coming in? And-
0: oh, so not what I was thinking at all. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> uh, when you guys sent me like the little brief questions of like what was the point that like changed things, I was like, oh, we're going to tell the story about almost going bankrupt and how that. So very, very different, mm-hmm. very different than the experience I was having, um, and so much more powerful. I think to be able to talk about this because i think we spend a lot of time talking about all the things that sound really great good yeah like oh you know i came from this like place of nothingness and i built this and i overcame this and these are all the great things and yeah whatever yeah
2: whatever that's not the whole story that is part of the story it's it's true both of them are
0: true when you like just thinking about the discussion that we just had what we discussed is really the reason why. Yeah. It's the, it it the is essence the reason of it. Why we were able to do what we were able to do. Not because I'm smart. Not because I made some good choices. And not because I decided one day to pivot my business. It's because I had two human beings who sacrificed themselves for me. For me. No matter what it is that they wanted. They made sure that it was me first. And then instilled that in me. And because of that, and because of their principles, we somehow, you know, defied the odds. I had an actual psychi- psychologist once tell me that, you know, you defied the odds. Kids yeah. who come from places like you don't actually end up like you. And oh, I boy. thought, hmm, okay.
1: <laughs> How about we change those odds? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Let's change that. Let's change that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I don't I think I want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, I'm sure it was meant as a compliment, but. Okay.
1: They're a little disconnected. Is that?
0: The yeah. yeah a tarot, hard, sort of theme of the day. Tarot, maybe. Yeah. So this was great. I mean, to be able, I don't know, to be able to talk about it. We don't generally ever have time to talk about it. I don't no, think anyone's we're ever
1: asked fast it. for that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and then there's a phone call. Of course. And an email or notification that goes off. Of on.
0: course. And it's like everybody wants to know, no, what's the secret to the success? The secret yeah. to the success. And it's like, oh, let me think of something really creative and crafty to say. Be a human being. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, be a human. Be a yeah. good human. Yeah. That is the secret to success. Be a good human and realize that the majority of humans are good people who just need to be reminded of it. Yeah. They just need to be reminded that they are worthy of something,
2: yeah.
0: if they want it. And it's okay to want it.
2: And it's okay. Everyone's yeah. deserving of it yeah. for sure.
0: That's it.
1: Thanks for coming, man. Thank you. I, I, this was great. It was great to get to know you this way. Thank you. You know, uh, we 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 run into each other at boards of trade meetings, and you know, that's that's an atmosphere where we're like in it's like. Um, well, the spirit is commercial spirit mm-hmm. right and then here it's a, a human spirit If mm-hmm. I have a choice mm-hmm. right <laughs> always right so thanks for, thanks for sharing that with us thank you I really appreciate thank that. you for the opportunity taking the time